Welcome to Living a Sex Positive Life, where we can guarantee the topic will be about sex. We'll talk about the good and the bad, the health and healing benefits, the adventures, the relationships, as well as the crimes and the tragedies. Our mission is to educate, entertain, and just talk about that touchy subject that affects us all, sex. Now here's your host, Angelique Luna. Good evening, everyone. This is Angelique Luna, and I'm here with my co-host and hubby, John C. Luna. Hello, everybody. And tonight we have a special treat. We have Lola Devine, author of Thriving in Sex Work. Lola Devine has spent more than 25 years in and around the sex industry, working as a stripper, dominatrix, porn actress, and escort over a 15-year period. She's earned an MA in Human Sexuality and MS in Nonprofit Fundraising and writes self-care and wellness column for WhyNotCam.com. Welcome, Lola. How are you? <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm wonderful, and I'm so happy to be here. Thank you so much for having me, you guys. Oh, no, thanks for joining us. It's like I'm always excited when I have someone and a guest that is out of the norm for every other podcast, if that makes any sense. No, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, you want you want that diversity. And yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm happy to step up and, and be your, your sex worker person for the evening. I'm happy to be that for you. <laughs> yes, and so wonderful. I read bits and pieces of your book because, again, I just received it yesterday, but... Simply, I'm in awe. I was like drooling all over the topics and skimming through it and just loving how diverse the book is that not only it does, you know, specifically cater for sex workers, but it does, it could go for a broader audience. So. Well, that's very kind of you to say. Yeah, I I wrote this. So as you mentioned, I I, I wasn't sex. I I started on sex work when I was 22 years old and, and did it for a while in my 20s went away from a, for a while and I came back again in my 30s. Um, but even even though I've been out of it now, I guess it's been a dozen years, I have to say that um, the, the experiences of being a sex worker were very formative for me. And, and, and it, you know, they touched me in very uh, deep and different ways. And it's been something that I've been thinking about. I, I, you know, it's sort of, this book was a culmination, I have to say, of, of more than a quarter century of my experiences. And not just about sexuality, which is obviously a topic near and dear to my heart and your heart, I'm guessing, <laughs> and I'm hoping the hearts of your listeners, that's why they're listening to us tonight. Um, but also about the emotional story, the emotional the emotional weight of our sexual experiences. Um, and that takes on a specific weight and tenor when you couple that with doing it for a living, right? Um, so it took me a long time to think about all those things. Um, it, I, I think I, I mentioned it, it's a book I wish I'd had when I was starting out as a, as a, as a young sex worker, and there just weren't resources like that. And um, sex work is hard work, um, and it, it really, really helps to, to think about how to take care of yourself emotionally while you do this powerful emotional work. Oh, absolutely. I was reading in, uh, I guess, like the beginning pages that you should have a PhD in psychology in order to be a sex worker because of everything you <laughs> go through. Seriously. Oh, I, I, I'm kind of tongue in cheek. I mean, you know, like I would, you know, it's like, but it does take a lot of emotional intelligence, right? I mean, I mean, you guys can probably speak to this better than I can. I mean, if, if you think about and talk about sex to people, um, for a lot of people, they don't even have the clearest sense of what they like sexually, right? For a lot of us, that's, that's a pretty mysterious and, and dark secret. Um, it, oftentimes, we don't even reveal ourselves to ourselves. Um, then you throw in the mix that you're, if you're doing this professionally, you're being sexual with other people. Um, so you have, your own, you have your own agenda, you have your own story, you're dealing with other people's emotions, other people's backstory, other people's expectations. And then you're doing it for money. So then that adds another whole emotional component to it. So it's complex. So I'm a little, I'm being a little tongue in cheek. I'm not really saying that folks need to go sit in a, in a classroom and study, but I, I do really believe that um, it's, a, it's a very complex job. It, it takes it, a lot, a lot. Uh, you know, it, 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 you, you have to fire on a lot of cylinders, do it well. 
Yes, definitely. I, I, I could attest, um, technically not a sex worker, I guess, but I, I have been a sugar baby for many, many years. So mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. similar stuff because half the time I had to even pry the information out of the person. I'm like, okay, so you're having me on the side, you're married, and you still don't know what you want, but yet mm-hmm. you find it very difficult to express it to even your own wife and partner and let them know what your desires are or your emotional frustrations there. Mm. You bring up such a, such an interesting story. I want to hear all about that. <laughs> uh, but you bring up a really interesting point, right? That, that often sex workers, and, and, and when I talk about sex workers, I just want to be clear, at least for the purposes of writing this book, I'm talking about sex workers across all job, spect- uh, job titles. So strippers, dominatrixes, um, People of all genders, right? So I'm not just talking. Yeah, I'm not just talking about women. I'm not just talking about women and men. I, I really do try to address this book to everyone in between. Um, people who work in the porn industry, cameras. I would I would include sugar babies in, in the sex under the sex work umbrella, although obviously not everyone does. Mm-hmm. Um, but what? How? I think anyone who does this work for any period of time will express the exact same story that you just told me, which is there are things that our clients tell us that they don't tell anyone else in their lives, right? We, we're sexual therapists on this, on this incredible level. Um, but they, don't, they, they tell us stories, they tell us their fantasies, they tell us things that they, they don't tell their spouses. They don't, they don't tell their therapists. I mean, it's, it's really quite remarkable. That's why we end up to be the therapist sometimes. <laughs> yes, I well, think that's right. I mean, no, I, I, I'm not, I'm not even, even being facetious. I think it's just a fact. Well, you always hear the joke that, you know, half of sex is in the mind and it's always laughed at, but why is then, why is there so much role play? Why is there so much fantasy involved? And I know regardless of how, you know, my wife's beautiful and she wants to have sex tonight and this and that, if I just had a bad day and my mind's not there, the sex ain't happening. So part of seducing someone, at least half of it is in their mind. So obviously... You're going to be doing uh, uh, let's say half a job of a psychologist or a therapist to, to to work with someone into that. Um, I've always also found it fascinating that you know the people you're close with you hide things from because you're afraid to share. But you know mm-hmm. you, you you I can tell you right now you find the, the the right bar you sit next to a stranger two shots later he's telling you shit he's never told his wife and it's very <laughs> weird in psychology how. We will confide in complete strangers because somewhere in there, it's like, okay, we may never see this person again. So it's a one-off and do it. So sort of like, you know, you may not go nude at the beach, but you're on vacation. So then you'll do it. I'm like, well, what sense does that make it? But that's what people do. See, we always make, I'm sorry. I was going to say, we always make fun of it at the bars because that, that was always the two, the, rather than go see a professional mental health therapist, you either went to see your bartender or you saw a sex worker. Those were your therapists. Mm-hmm. That's it. Right. It's really true. And I, I do think that, the, so that's it's such an interesting dynamic, right? I mean, because you have a certain level of control over your bartender and, and, and the sex worker that you don't have with a therapist, right? Your therapist is there to set boundaries and set rules, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe it just makes it easier because you can just, you know, anytime you can get up and leave. Um, but I just, when you're on this topic of intimacy, I just wanted to, there was this wonderful, wonderful book by uh, a man who's passed away now. His name is Stephen Mitchell. And he wrote this amazing book called Can Love Last? And um, the whole premise of it, uh, the whole premise of his book is about long-term in- intimacy and how the more you get to know someone, just what you were saying, John, people tend to hide their true feelings. Um, that's how people get into ruts because they only do what they think is expected of them. Um, and some of that can some of that doesn't necessarily have to be negative. Sometimes it's like you found that thing that you're, you love that your partner does. So it's like you want to be a good partner. So you go back and you do that thing again and again and again and again. You want to be reliable. You want to be the, the partner who does the thing. That, that's the good thing. <laughs> um, but it's also you're laughing. I know that I know there's some trick up your sleeve that you pull out whenever you whenever you want to score a point. I know what you're saying. I know what that laugh means. Um, but also it can it can also be this this kind of deadening inside, right? Where we, we where we where we're afraid. And he, he writes really beautifully and movingly about what it means to continue to be honest 
to continue to open up to, to your, the people that you're closest to um, and tell them what it is that you really want and what an incredible act of bravery that is with somebody that you're so dependent on emotionally, someone you love so much. But I can just say as, as a long-term sex worker, I also know that I've been on the receiving end of that kind of self-revelation and, and honesty. And it's, it's powerful and it's humbling when someone comes to you and tells you something that you know they've never told anyone else before. Um, and just, you know, kind of holding that because that, that's a profound thing when you don't, when you're in the pr presence of something like that, that doesn't happen every day. No, that's, that's, that's actually pretty amazing. But, um, no, where I was going with that, uh, uh, and my giggle came from is that, you know, for your long-term partner, they change and sometimes mm -hmm. we yeah. don't guess. So when you were saying, you okay. know, they said, well, they don't like this, so I'm not going to do that. We've been in a situation where that's happened. And I said, okay, we're not going to do that. And then, you know, years later go by and you find out, well, now they like it, but they didn't like it back then. Or now they're doing it with someone else. Or I'm doing it with someone else and they're jealous I'm not doing it with them because they told me they didn't like it. So it's important to recognize that over your long-term partners do change. And what... What they like today may not be what they like five years from now. Right. And that takes a, a degree of um, personal uh, honesty and then also willingness to be open to new truth. You're, you're, bringing, you're bringing up a really important point that as your partner changes, um, I mean, part of the reason why people remain stuck in ruts is because we want them to, right? It's like, oh, don't go ch changing is scary. Don't, don't start wanting different things. Don't, don't start telling me that you have different fantasies. Um, and people can feel boxed in that way. Um, and, I'll, and, and uh, you know, you can also get into this thing where you don't, we aren't honest with ourselves because we don't want to be that person, right? You know, oh, I don't want to be the person who asks for that. I don't want to be the person who does that. You know, that's a, that's a, a, that's a desire that makes me think differently about myself. And uh, it's hard for me to accept that. Yeah, exactly. And I find that we also, uh, another analogy is we also do it in our jobs. I've actually met people mm -hmm. that were completely qualified to, to go up. And, and when I told, asked about them, I'm like, you know, why aren't you in management? It was, well, in case there's layoffs, managers are the first ones to get laid off. I feel better where I am. And I'm like, in one sense, it's like, mm -hmm. man, that's an excuse. In another sense, it's like, oh, in a lot of ways, it's a relationship. You're comfortable where you are and you just don't want things to change because they may mm -hmm. not get better. There's a chance they might get worse. So they get stagnant. Yeah. That's really interesting. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I, I don't know if you guys ascribe to this notion. Um, I certainly do, though, that life is very long. And um, a lot a lot of times, I mean, our sexuality, our conception of our sexualities are formed, oh, it's this horrible age, right? You know, this terrible, terrible age. When no, I mean, teenagers should, I, I don't know what the solution for teenage sexuality is, but it, it's such a terrible time where everybody wants something different and nobody knows how to ask for what they want and nobody knows how their body works. Um, you know, and then we kind of stumble into our 20s and, you know, it's still pretty much a freak show. We, I, but when you find yourself in your 40s and 50s and 60s, as first of all, you've had a lot of experiences and, you know, you know yourself better. Um, maybe the desire for novelty isn't quite so pressing. Um, yeah, having to learn how to think about yourself sexually um, as, you, as you age and as you change. And like you say, if you've got a partner involved, that makes it even more complicated because they're changing too. You know, it's, it takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of consciousness. And I can tell you one thing. Sex is one thing that most people want to be unconscious through. They want to be checked out. They want to be blissed out. They want to be swept away. They don't want to be actively thinking about anything. They just want it to all happen magically. And they're very disappointed when that doesn't happen. Oh, I blame uh, Hollywood for that one. <laughs> <laughs> I blame all videos for that one there because yeah. it's like, even when you're trying to teach, because I do teach like a consent class, it, it's like I tell people everything you learn from an adult film, aka porn movie, you're not going oh, to yeah. do. Exactly, because yeah. you you could go watch Fast and the Furious and you're not going to have your driver's license after watching that movie. It's the same thing. <laughs> nice. I like that. Is there, is there any possibility? Is there any possibility I could steal that if I attribute that to you? Oh, go for it! It's like I any love that analogy. It's so perfect. It's so true. It's like don't try this at home, kids. I mean, yeah, it looks fun, but 
That's really what the real people do. Yeah, <laughs> I love that. It is. So tell us how you did all your transitions, like from stripper to dominatrix to porn star to escort. That just seems like a crazy, you know, job. So was it, you know, lineage upward movement, you know, <laughs> trying to compare it to oh. the corporate world? <laughs> oh, God. Well, okay. So I think that I, I think my experience was not uncommon. So, okay. So, um, Curiosity is what got me started in the first place. I just graduated from college. I moved to San Francisco in 1989. And I consciously uh, sought out stripping because I, I really thought that um, the, the sex industry was something I was always really deeply fascinated by. And uh, even though I, I had attended um, UC Santa Cruz, which is very, very feminist, all of the foreign, foreign wars were going on then. It was all Dworkin and McKinnon. I mean, it was, it was, I mean, it was, a heady time, right? Like that was very, these, these, these issues were very front and center, whether or not porn was going to be outlawed altogether or whether it was going to be triumphant like it is now, ubiquitous, like basically. Um, that was very much in doubt then. And that was I mean, what we take for granted now was, was, was certainly up in the air back then. Um, so I was very curious about I wanted to see it for myself. So I ended up getting, I auditioned and got myself a job at the Lusty Lady. And I, I don't know if you guys have heard of the Lusty Lady over there on the East Coast, but it's really, it's an institution here um, in San Francisco. It was a, um, it was a feminist run uh, uh, peep show for a long time. I was there before it unionized. It got famous for unionizing, but that was 10 years before I was there. Um, and uh, so there was no contact with customers. Um, there were like girl on girl shows and stuff like that, but maybe we stripped behind glass. We danced behind glass and oh my God, it was this job for me. I mean, like if you told me, if you told me, you know, back when I was in college that, uh, you know, six months after graduating, I would be dancing naked for a living around gorgeous half-naked women and earning $20 an hour. I would have fallen over dead, <laughs> a heart attack from joy. It was like, it was the most, it was just the most amazing thing for me. And that was an unheard of amount of money. I, I, I absolutely loved being around these incredible, wild, creative ferocious women it was a very political place at that time it was the height of the AIDS crisis and uh, so it was very politically active um but also a lot of stuff around gender and sexuality was really getting worked out there too um I don't know if you guys know Carol Queen um, oh yes Carol Queen uh-huh. yeah I've seen her, her. There. She, yeah uh-huh. so I met her there she she, she kind of a, she kind of took me under her wing she became my I don't know, my, um, my mentor, um, and we, we remain friends to this day. And, um, anyway, so, so, you know, very, lots of really interesting people were there. Um, but as they say, I, I'm not the one to say this, so I'm, I, I don't remember who said it first, so, but I'm not the one to think of it, that stripping is a gateway drug. So, um, uh, I found myself pretty quickly doing, um, domination with a friend of mine who was doing professional domination. She needed a, a sub. So I started working with her. Um, so that kind of got me into the world of, of, of domination. And then there were other women there who were making porn. So I ended up starring in their porn, you know, porn movies and stuff. So that's how I ended up in porn. And then um, one of the lusty uh, women was um, working as an escort and she wanted to know if I wanted to do it too. So um, yeah, it was very definitely a gateway for me. Um, I just found myself uh, around women who were doing other different things, and, and I found myself, I, I wanted to do it too. I was like, I was at that age where basically if someone said, do you want to do something? The answer was always yes. Uh, and I tried it all. Um, but once I found, once I hit escorting, then I had really hit my groove. Um, I, I was good at it, and I really liked it. Um, I love the money. I mean, again, $200. I was making $200 an hour, which... Again, wow. I thought all of my money problems were over forever. I was going to be fabulously wealthy. I would never have to worry about money again. Um, I don't know if you've gotten to this part of the book. Ten years later, I was filing for personal bankruptcy. So just saying, <laughs> making lots of money, or what even feels to you like making lots of money, uh, doesn't necessarily end up being the way that things end up. But um, yeah, it was certainly when I, let me put it this way, when I entered the sex industry, it was very kind to me. It, um, every every time I said yes to the sex industry, the sex industry said yes to me. Um, and just to just to put a little a little um, follow up on your question, that um, I I returned 
to escorting in my 30s in a, under very, 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 very different circumstances. I had just, um, like I say, filed for personal bankruptcy. Uh, my soon-to-be ex-partner, my, I was also in the middle of a, of a breakup. We were in six-figure debt. And I came back to San Francisco in order to escort in order to make as much money as possible. And all of a sudden now, sex work was a job. It was no longer kind of what I did for fun. Um, and so I, I thought about it very, very differently. And I write about that extensively in the book, about um, what it means to treat sex work like a job um, and how to take care of yourself around that. Because certainly, you know, when you're doing it day in and day out and you're, you're doing it in order to make, you know, make, make money consistently and really, and really provide for yourself, um, the thing you have to watch out for is burnout. You have to, you have to watch out for, for not driving yourself into the ground. <clears throat> so it sounds like, yes, that's my history. <laughs> so it sounds like your twenties when you were doing it, it was fun. It was free. It was exciting. Then coming back around a second time, it was, Oh wow. I actually need the money. And I, I, I Oh God. Yes. I, I always think there should be, of all the mandatory, mandatory courses out there for high school and college, none of them tell 20-somethings to save your goddamn money just a little bit. Because oh I have heard that so many times of, I wish I saved just a little bit. Because it just oh, seems like something oh. in the 20s. We start hitting a groove, and it's not hard. We have no bills. The money starts pouring in, and then the world catches up about 10 years later. <laughs> Oh my God, you just told a story in my life. And, and I, it is something that I, I re reiterate over and over and over and over again. And, and, and I'll just say, um, I, I know uh, you're, you're probably right that it is, it's an experience that a lot of 20-somethings have. You go out and get your first job with real benefits and stuff like that, and, and you start making a real paycheck rather than you know, kind of the grunt wages you do when, when you're younger. Um, but I can tell you, sex work, I think, is particularly warping around money. And, and, and uh, you know, you... Like I said, at the time, I mean, $200 an hour, I mean, I couldn't, I mean, I basically had never seen like $10, $20 bills in a stack before in my life. Like when I was going to college, I was living on $500 a month. No joke. I was going to a state school, but I mean, it was just a huge amount of money and you just, it just distorts your sense of what money is and, and, and whether, how much money you're going to make in the future. Uh, it's very warping. Um, and, uh, so it's something I talk a lot about, like, you know, having to get on top of money rather than, you know, it's like, you have to, you have to ride money or else it's going to ride you. That's for sure. So oh, I, I like that line. A lot about money. <laughs> Thank you. Well, you're, you're free to use me anytime you like. Um, I devote an entire section of the book to, to money, um, and I, and I pay an equal amount of attention to the emotional side of money and to the practical side of money. Because I'll, I'll just say one other thing. Um, anyone listening here for more than 30 seconds can tell, you know, I have a college, you know, I'm, I'm college educated, you know, middle class, white, every, you know, I, I grew up with every advantage. I did not grow up knowing what you need to know about money. I was, a, I was ignorant. I was foolish. Um, I had to learn the hard way, and and, and frankly, um, the, it was in my 30s after you know this, this horrible you know time of my life when, when going bankrupt and you know, really looking down the barrel of of, of real financial trouble. Um, I, ha I I was lucky enough to find an accountant who was not only sex worker positive, but who was also um, a lawyer or, or he had a legal degree. He didn't get he didn't pass the bar, but he was a JD. And he grabbed me by the scruff of the neck and he said, Lola. You are going to have a retirement account. You are going to have, you know, you're going to have a 401k. You are going to have a Roth IRA. You're going to have a SEP. You know, you are, you're going to have money. And, uh, you know, you're going to pay your taxes. And he believed in me. And he believed in me more than I believed in myself. I was very lucky with him. It took me a long time to learn how to be a financial adult. Uh, even though I was making great money, great money. But I did not have the knowledge. I, I, it's like I almost, it's almost like I didn't trust myself. Um, that, that was a long journey for me, and I write about it quite a bit. It's like, it kind of reminds me of a scene. Oh, what was the name of that um, BBC show? The girl from uh, Doctor Who, who was a sex worker, a Diary of a Sex Worker, I think. The oh, oh, yeah. No, I, I, 
I know what you're talking. I never saw that. I do. I, I know. I know what you're talking about, but I never watched that show. They actually had a scene of her and her accountant talking about that, the importance of、mm. putting money away, um, saving up for retirement, all that, which is I find kind of comical. But the hearing it from you saying it, it's like, oh well. Definitely makes sense. I guess we never do it, but yeah, she was she was at you know having sex with her accountant to pay for him, and he was actually、huh. you know chiding her and saying, no, you have to you know deduct more, you got to do this. So giving her the financial lessons of how to manage her money. Well, one of the things,、um, it's, and it's not just finding a good accountant. I, I will just say I, I'm not going to generalize and say this is true for all sex workers because there's nothing I can say that would be true for all sex workers. But I'm just going to say that it's a tendency, definitely, that runs deep within within the industry that folks who are doing sex work, it's there's a, a natural reticence and a natural fear to seek out professional help.、Um, either you know, it's like you know, you walk into a H and R Block and plop down and say hi. I'm a stripper. Will you help me with my taxes? There's just that fear that you know. First of all, okay, you won't be taken seriously, right? That's just, or you'll be laughed at, or sneered at, or hit on, right?、Mm-hmm. Um, there's the fear that you know you'll be taken advantage of. You know that you know, somebody's going to say, oh well, you're you know you're just a dumb fill in the blank. I I don't have to take your finances seriously.、Um, I don't really have to help you. I don't have to help you the same way that I would somebody who works at Starbucks or somebody who you know works from home, whatever.、Um, There are a lot of barriers,、um, you know, and that's difficult.、Uh, that's another thing I write about a lot in the book is kind of getting over the emotional hump of just reaching out and saying, you know, I, I'm going to go out and get the help that I need. I, I may not be out to everyone. Maybe that's not the right way to go. Maybe you don't need to tell your H&R Block professional what you do for a living. You can tell them that you're a babysitter or that you're, I don't know, you sell stuff on Etsy. I don't know. You can tell them whatever you want, but. But that you don't limit yourself because you're doing this job that a lot of people are either icked out by or, or you know, don't understand very well. There's a lot of living in the shadows. I don't, at the risk of sounding melodramatic, I, I don't want to, I don't want to add to the narrative. You know, kind of like you know, sex workers are kind of like these tragic people, but it's hard. Sometimes it's hard to think about yourself as a full citizen, right? Citi- full citizenship is, is not always easy, easy to achieve when your job title is sex worker,、um, and that manifests in a, itself in a lot of different ways, a lot of self-limiting、um, ways, unfortunately.、Um, and I understand why people do it. I'm not saying that everyone needs to be out.、Um, that, that's, that's not what I'm saying at all. But I am saying that there is a, a natural reticence to just. Step up and just say, "I'm going to go out and get the very best healthcare that I can find. I'm going to I'm going to go out and and find somebody who's going to help me with my website, and I'm not going to be afraid, you know, because it's easy to be afraid. It's very easy to be afraid." Oh, absolutely! The judgment alone—it's very difficult for a lot of them. And I was so happy and、um, excited when I was going through your website that you have like resources there for people to actually go and find. I mean, that is something. Even as professionals, how do you really market to that? You know, group without them feeling it's like, what do you want? You know, what's in it for you? And we're like, you know, a couple of us are like, hey, I'm willing to help you out. You know, you know, especially、mm-hmm. like kink because I'm becoming um kink certified in therapy, but、mm-hmm. more for、uh, coaching and education. But I that was always my focus is more on the alternative lifestyles and you know, sex workers kind of deals because everyone needs love <laughs> and not to be judged. Everyone needs love. Yeah. Well, and I just have to say, at least in terms of this project, it's been it's been really interesting. You know, of course, I'm I'm you know more than a decade removed from being in the sex industry, so it's not as raw and emotional for me, right? If, if I if I get online, this literal this 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 did happen. The process like for um uh like I needed a social media consultant, right? Because I'm not a social media person. My God, I'm almost fifty. I don't you know Twitter. I don't even know, right? <laughs> so got, you know, I got on Thumbtack. Yeah, I got on Thumbtack and I posted. You know, I'm you know I'm this new author. I have this book coming out. I need help establishing a web presence or whatever. And I get my five bids back. Well, it was a really interesting moment where I stopped for a second and kind of went, "Okay, Lola, you're going to have to take a deep breath and dive in." And you know, I'm exposing myself to total strangers to see how we do. And、um, so you know, five people come back, and you know, the first person is talking about how they. Re- 
you know, offer reduced rates because they just need money and so that they can like tour around the country and sing Christian songs in different churches. And I thought, you know what? Okay. That's probably not going to be a good fit. Um, you know, and then, you know, I reached out to two other people and I said, I was really honest. I said, you know, Hey, my name is Lola. I wrote this book on sex work. How do you feel? You know, one person never responded to me. One person said, we're not a good fit. But the other two people were just perfectly fine and were happy to engage and they, you know, put in bids for my job and it's, it takes bravery every day. And I'm sure, you know, coming out as kink, you know, you never know how people are going to respond. And it's just as there's always room for people to be real jerks and to make you feel terrible. There's also this wonderful potential to be surprised by people just have them say, Oh, well, that's fine. Great. I'm really excited. Let's get to work. Um, yeah, you just, you just never, you never know. No, but there is always that fear, I guess, fear of social rejection and also mm. fear of reprisal just because, yeah. um, yeah. one of the things we've researched is that, you know, you come out of the closet as, as, as gay or bi or, or, or you know, uh, trans legally there, there's plenty of laws to protect you. If you come out as part of the kink community, mm -hmm. there's mm -hmm. nothing. A job can fire Absolutely. you because in your bedroom, you like to hit your girlfriend or wife or whatever with a whip. All of a sudden, you're crossing mm -hmm. a line. Yep. Yep. Regardless of whether it's completely consensual or not. Absolutely. Yeah. Sex workers is the same way. And um, I, I don't know how much you experience this. You know, because you know when you're talking about it in, in your personal life, but um, certainly I know as as, as um, when you when you when you cross the line, right? When you you step into the demi monde and become a sex worker, you know one of the considerations that kind of hangs over that decision is, is is this something that's going to haunt me for the rest of my life? Once I'm marked a dominatrix, once I'm marked an escort, once I make porn. You know, once once I'm naked on the internet, um, how will that affect the rest of my life? Um, and there is no easy answer to that. There's no glib answer. Um, and uh, you know, we we make these decisions. Now, it's as a blanket statement, you can kind of say, you know, stuff is getting more and more common all the time, right? There's so much. There's so much online, for instance. Um, my God, you could you could just look at. You know, there's just so much stuff online all the time. Um, you think of how many people are walking around right now who are cam models or done amateur porn or, you know, either, you know, from both ends, right? You know, both have have, done, have been sex workers and been clients, right? I mean, because you know, there's always the focus on sex workers, but, you know, there's this, I think, another order of magnitude of number of people who have purchased commercialized sexuality, right? Oh yeah. Who, who go to strip clubs. Yeah, who go to strip clubs, who who watch porn, who 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 make, you know, see escorts, who, you know, it's for every for every one sex worker, there has to be at least 10, 20, 30 clients out there, right? Uh, so this, absolutely. This sex industry is enormous. Like if you if we all just like everyone just stood up one day, like we had this like big giant, you know, Everyone, everyone in the whole world is called into the same school auditorium, and it's like everybody stand up who's ever like done sex work or or purchased, you know, commercialized sexuality. A lot of people would be on their feet um, if they're honest. Come on, girl. Come on. If they're honest, that's <laughs> yeah. true. I know it's true, uh -huh. but it, it is. But it is. A, it is. A, it's a true. And so it, it's just. I do wonder where we'll be twenty years from now, fifty years from now, when when it's so pervasive, when so many people are involved in it. Why? Why do we need to stigmatize it? Why do we need to criminalize it? And it's Don't been know. around as long as the dawn of time. As long as there's been politicians, there's always been sex workers. Period. <laughs> you could go all the way back to the Roman times. Hey, I could even probably think the caveman too. Who knows how they traded? Probably. Well, right. what, what was what was the quote? Where there's men with power, there's women that want to benefit from the power, and that is a complete sexist quote. I, as I said it, I just realized exactly. But. Regardless of gender, it's the truth. Wherever there's power, there's people who want power, and sex is a way to get it if used that way. Well, absolutely, absolutely. No, I, I mean, 
I always say, I mean, you know, get into this, you know, I've gotten into arguments with, with people who want to talk about the future of the sex industry or whether or not there should be a sex industry. Like, what does it really mean? What would it mean to, to, to eliminate the sex industry or porn or, or, or um, you know, prostitution? What would that really mean? Um, but the fact is, is that, you know, as, as long as there, as people, as long as people want sex, which I don't know. I'm just guessing. They're not going to give That's not that. changing anytime soon, sweetie. <laughs> no, there is. A, no, 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 right. no, no. And, yeah, and until the government starts handing out, like, government-issued sex bots, so we all, you know, just have sex with the sex bot rather than having sex with each other, I mean, there is going to be a transactional level of sex in the world. Um, and I don't see any, as long as it's consensual, you know, I'm all, I'll, you know, always about consensuality, always about, you know, you know, we are not talking about people doing this under any kind of duress, but as long as it's consensual, I do not see the need for the government to intervene in what people consensually do with their bodies. Um, it's, there's just no, there's, there's no benefit. It does it, it, it helps no one. No. No, then they just start freaking out because their porn gets blocked in a certain state because they decide to be <laughs> assos. Did you hear about that a couple right. of years ago? No. Um, one of the online porn sites was angry with North Carolina with their um, bathroom oh. law. That's right. Yes, I do remember now. Yes, yeah. They took their porn away from them. That's and see, we, they yeah. turned off their porn and they were not happy about that. <laughs> And they made sure they were fighting to change the laws because so they could get their porn back. So until it got repealed, they got access to porn. But I thought that was hysterical to shut off all access in one state because of that. I mean, come on, that's power right there. That's awesome. That's actually it's really awesome. Well, I mean, and that's what really. I mean, if you if you want to talk to somebody who wants to, you know, eliminate. You know, I mean, I, what are you talking about? I mean, you're, you're talking about making it illegal so, of looking at people naked. Like that's that's what you're talking about. I mean, you want to you want to you want to empower the government to intercede on what people think about and what they imagine and what they see. That is, oh, wow. That's scary. That's it very scary. scary. And especially since there's absolutely no urgency to like limit the amount of violence that we're exposed to, you know, in terms in the arts and stuff like. Like, I have never understood, like, oh, let's get all switched out about seeing a boob, but we can, like, blow things up and have people, you know, body parts that all over the place. Oh, my God. Well, That's they all... That's not an original thought. Many people, many people pointed that out, but it is, it is, it's a hypocrisy that I find very hard to live with. Another hypocrisy that I, you see every day is you can watch a Pepsi ad, and there's a woman, you know, in a, in a white T-shirt underneath a shower and guys drooling at her and dropping stuff. And, and, you know, this is mainstream media, this, and, and we don't think twice about it. It's such in our face. But if a nipple popped out, yeah. then we got to go through the whole <laughs> Janet Jackson, whatever, Super Bowl thing again and hear it for three months. I was like, that, go that, that, that one extra inch of slightly darker skin does not make a person insane. It's the whole act of it. And they are doing everything on, on mainstream TV but popping out the nipple. Right. It's so true. Yeah, it, it is interesting. I, I, I often think, I often, you know, kind of do the thought experiment, where will we be 50 years from now? Where will we be 100 years from now? Where, where will we stand and, and kind of look back? You know, like, where will we, what will we think about this moment and, and where are we headed? I, I don't really have any specific answers. It does feel to me in the 25 years that I've been in and around the sex industry that there's, there is an opening up. There is, a, there is an opening up. I don't want, you know, this word is going to probably freak people out. Opening of consciousness. There is, a, there is more and more and more understanding that the people who do sex work aren't damaged. The people who buy sexuality aren't damaged. That people can do this work without, um, without damaging themselves or further damage. I mean, it's not to say that that's always true in every case. I'm certainly not, I'm not, I'm not characterizing the entire sex industry is benign, but the, but the notion that somehow sex work is inherently bad, it's inherently destructive, extractive, um, you know, soul crushing. At least there seems to be more and more understanding that that is not necessarily the case. And that we're being very, very hypocritical by, by, by talking about it in those terms, Um, which is to take nothing away from people who are, you know, trafficked, take nothing away from people who are engaged in survival sex. I, I, 
I take nothing away from their experiences, but not all sex work is the same, and we shouldn't talk about it as, as if it's all equally bad or damaging. No, no, definitely. Sex has it has a, a dark side, and people have yeah. used it. Obviously, especially in Florida, we've we've seen sex trafficking come through here. Um, yeah. They've just recently busted a sex trafficking rank where they're bringing uh, girls in through Miami and, and, Tampa Bay and bringing them up. And that, that, that's horrifying. But at the same time, that doesn't mean, you know, even the, not just the sex worker, but the customers who are supporting the sex workers. Right. Um, we're not damaged. There we go. The whole lot of us. And I'm on both sides of that thing, but um, the whole lot of us are not damaged. Um, you know, there's there's that old image of the guy watching porn. You think of what Pee Wee Herman looking pretty crappy in a uh, adult bookstore, yeah. and and now you go today, and, and there are people there with their wives. You know, right. and it's right. it's right. it's being pulled out of the gutter and put much more into a, in, into a light and making it legitimate business, which is what's needed. Yeah, but sometimes you know, yeah. I'm sorry, the Fifty Shades of Grey. I hate, I, I don't like it as a good example, but it did start the conversation. But at the same token, it said you had to be, you know, totally 50 shades of fucked up in order to do the BDSM. And it's like, <laughs> dude, you didn't even do it right. There was no real good consent there. The the writing no. itself, literature, I'm like, okay, no, no, come on. I've read better than this. You know, kindergarten girl read this, you know. Yes, it sparked the conversation. Great. Sparked more babies. Great. But it still did a lot of injustice in regards to how we do see sex. True. No, I, I that that is a very it's it's such a it's such a great it's like an artifact. It's like it's, it's a fact that we all kind of have to deal with, right? This this phenomenon that, like you say, I mean, and again, I mean, it's, it's so it's fantasy. You're reading it, right? You know, so it's sort of like okay, I can imagine this world with these rules, kind of, you know. I'm li they're living in this fantasy world where these rules apply, right? It's not the same as, as you know, it's just, it's a fast and furious, right? You know, it's right, exactly. It's not the same, but, um, but yeah, it does feel like there is this encroachment. And I also just have to say from the time that I spend online and, you know, I, I write for, for, um, a canning website, you know, you know, offering, you know, uh, advice there. So the, so many young people are coming up really sort of super saturated, super comfortable with, um, sexual um, experimentation and, and 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 showing off and 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 performing and and you know again I think it's it's, it's like everything about it's like it's the same as it's ever been about sex right there's things about it that are troubling that are you know, kind of dark and, and make you worry but there's also this this part of it is kind of like it's really awesome that people are getting online and expressing themselves and being creative and learning about themselves and putting themselves out there. And, you know, it's like uh, you can see every single conceivable possible body type, you know, age, gender, race. People are, you know, it, there is a lot of exciting stuff that's happening out there. It's not just like the 22-year-old, you know, blonde, you know, BMI 18 with the giant boobs. And, you know, like that's it. Like there's, there's still – People are seeing themselves reflected, right? And, you know, representation is so very important, and so that's happening. And and, and um, so I'm really happy to see that too. If you're if you're some kid who's a little different, you know, you you're not like everybody else wherever you are in whatever small town or where you know you can get online and see people who look like you, who you know who represent like you, and that's wonderful. And I'm that I'm glad to see. So yeah, that's yeah. happening. There's something for everyone. You just got to keep searching for that, you know, yeah. because we've discovered that over the years that there's something for everyone there. If you like a foot fetish, guess what? There's foot fetish malls out there. <laughs> if yeah. you oh, yeah. like it, you know, BBW and little dominatrix in there, guess what? Just look them up. It, it, it's, you know, I, yeah. it, I think it's getting a little bit better. Like you said, that people are asking for what they want versus afraid of being judged. So, and with the internet being so anonymous, you could just do that and search for things like that and not mm -hmm. worry about being judged. Well, you also asked okay. where we would be in 50 years. And I'm sitting here just pondering this as you girls are talking. And, and honestly, my answer, because it fits right into this, would be more mature. I hope yeah. we are more mature. Oh, because, like, 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 
Oh, yeah. Because the truth is, all of this porn and all this diversity and all these resources, they have their place. No, I preferably don't want my 12-year-old watching it. But, you know, at a certain time, there's no reason not to. And there's no reason not to embrace this. And if you want to perform, whether you're not the right model, you know, the, the, the petite Barbie model size or whatever you are, there it's it's great that there's a place for it and people are watching it. And, and, and it kind of brings me back to the college days where, uh, again, we're going back to VHS, when someone popped in a porn and there was a little person in it. And they're laughing, and I'm like, and, and my, you know, I, I laugh with them. I was only 19 at the time, but again, the thought was, well, do other little people watch this porn too? And, like, and I got this weirdest look from my friends of, what the hell are you talking about? I'm like, well, you know, they, it's maybe something for them if they're like that. And like I said, may, may, maybe it's just me. Maturity is what I would love to see in the future. <laughs> right, and then VH1 20, yeah. 20 years later had a show about little people. Sorry. <laughs> No, no, I know, yeah, and I, I mean, I think there's, you, so there's, so there's two sides to this, I mean, and, and, and I love, and I do love that the internet is this engine for creativity of images and ideas, that people go looking for their particular kink, and they find, they find their community online, right, you have, you have, you have a powerful fantasy, you have a powerful image that you want to see matched in the real world. So I, I actually I, I read about about this quite a bit because it's actually it's it's it's, it's an interesting feature of the, what what motivates clients right. So there's definitely the the the, the syndrome or the or the path the pathway that you know somebody has a very strong desire and they get online looking to see their desires matched, right. But the other phenomenon is is that folks want to have their fantasies and imaginations sparked. Um, they want to see stuff that they haven't seen before. They want to be surprised. They, they, they're, 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 you know, we're very curious animals. It's always that sense of, I want to see something different, something I haven't seen before. So it's that, it's that looking for the new thing. Um, and uh, I kind of love that. I, I, it's, so, it's so profoundly human of us, right? We're, first, we, we seek out, like seeks like, but there's this other part of us that's also like, I want to see something I've never seen before. I want to see the, the new thing. I want to I want to be dazzled. I want to be amazed. Um, so yeah, I, I um, and I, I hope with that that we can, there is a you know you're talking about maturity. I just hope I just also hope that there is a compassion that the sense that this is who we are as human beings. You know, we can we can actually grow into this and be okay with this. We're talking about we're talking sex is is complicated and and sometimes dangerous. Um, but it's also something really beautiful and it can be celebrated and, and, and yeah, that, 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 that mature is a good word, but I just also say also it needs to be kind of hinged with compassion, sense of that this is what makes us human. There's no need to fight this. There's no need to punish ourselves for this. Oh, that's beautiful. That was nice. <laughs> well, thank you for saying that. That's kind of you. Well, let me ask you this, because you said you, you've been out of sex work for 12 years, uh, almost, mm -hmm. and, and now you've decided oh, to come yeah, out with this book, you know, somewhere around that area, 10 plus, we're all up there, but uh, now you've decided to come out with this book, and like you said, you're writing all, all your memoirs in it. I'm, I'm just curious, what, what brought you to that point to say, I need to write all this down and share it? Well, yeah, I, so there was sort of a, a specific event, and then I... Yeah, and, and, but I also kind of have to recognize that this is just kind of 25 years in the making. I, I was getting ready to write a book about sex and money, or sex work and money, I'm sorry, sex work and money. Um, to really kind of uh, get a grip on the journey that I went on, my financial history journey, um, from going from somebody who really was quite asleep when it came to money. I mean, I was always good at making it, but that didn't, again, that didn't stop me from personal bankruptcy, right? And I felt like um, my, my journey was really kind of waking up and, and growing up and, and learning up and all the things that you have to do. So I was kind of, I was thinking, I was thinking this is a story I could share. I think, I think this, could, I could, this could be helpful for other people because I certainly watched a lot of people around me in the sex, sex industry struggle with money and a lot, of, a lot of people were a lot worse off than I was. Um, and uh, so I was pitching this to a friend, and I was telling her about it, and she was all excited. She was, oh, yeah, I'll write that book. And then she said, but I just want you to say one thing. Just please set aside a chapter for self-care. 
it's just always so important. And I feel like we never talk about it enough as sex workers. You know, it's, it's such a, a hard emotional job. And I have to tell you, John, it was like a supernova went off inside my head. It was just one of those moments. I don't, I don't know if you're a creative person, but if, you, if, you're, if you're one of those people who, you know, creatively inspired that way, uh, it was like active waking dreaming for like three days. I'm like writing it down. And, and my hand to God, if you take a look at my table of contents as it's written today in the book, it is 90% the same as when I, I was when I wrote my first draft, my outline. That my table of contents is a, in essence the the, out, the 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 outline of the book. Um, That's impressive. And I well, it, but here's the thing: it had nothing to do with me. It was it was just it was just one of those moments where it was like this this project has been waiting to be born, and you are now ready to write it. And so I sat down for the next two years, and I wrote and I wrote and I wrote and I wrote. And I, I couldn't believe how many things I wanted to say. And, you know, I, I just have to say, when I, when I open this book now, you know, oh God knows I'm so familiar of it with, I'm sick of it. But when I, when I read it, I mean, I look at it and I just think, yeah, you know, gosh, I'm really glad. I'm glad I got, I put that out there. You know, I hope, I hope what I have to say helps someone. Um, because I had to grow into understanding the way that sex work made me feel sex work is incredibly emotionally complex and i'll just say as a sex worker as a reasonably successful sex worker i mean you know i I was no great i I don't i I don't need to be boasty i wasn't the best ever but i certainly wasn't the worst ever right i was you know i did all right but it made me feel rich and powerful and amazing sometimes and sometimes it just made me feel stupid and out of control of my own life and just utterly defeated. Um, it made me feel ugly. It made me feel beautiful. It made me feel rich. It made me feel like I had no control over my money. Like I was a child when it came to money. Um, I was pulled apart in all these different directions and it took me a very long time to just get to the point where I could pull apart the individual emotions and just say, okay, baby girl, you're feeling really scared right now or yeah, that guy just said something really shitty and he's making you feel terrible about yourself. Okay. We got to do some self care around that. There's we have work to do. Um, you know, I'm looking across the room at this gorgeous creature. Who's the most stunning thing I've ever seen. And I'm thinking like, how can I possibly ever compete with someone as gorgeous as she is? I might as well just go home right now. Like, and just, and just feeling like I had died inside. Right. Just looking at, just looking at someone so beautiful. It just like cuts me up inside. Right. Like, and just getting to the point where I was like, okay, you're going to feel these things. These things don't feel great. You know, how do you take care of yourself around that? How do you identify what you're feeling? How do you stop? How do you breathe? How do you take care of yourself after the fact? You know, so it, um, the, book, the, the concept came to me in a second, but I will say it took me most of my adult lifetime to be ready to write this book. I wish I had written it sooner. <laughs> I wish I had known a lot of the things that I wrote, I wrote about sooner. It took me a long time. And I just want to say one other thing. Um, I didn't include this in the book. I, I kind of regret that I didn't actually include it. Um, every single line of advice on every single page, I, I guarantee you, 100%. If I tell you to do something or this is the way to do something, or this is my advice, it's because I fucked up somewhere along the line and didn't, and didn't do it. <laughs> Every single line. You can read that book and you just be like, oh, Lola's telling me to do this. Well, I have a story of why that is because there was a time when I just let myself down or I got really mad when I, I shouldn't have let that person get to me or, you know, whatever it was. You know, I, this book is, is this book is a, a catalog of my failures. So, um, but, you know, we also learn from our mistakes. So I'm hoping that people out there can read it and learn from my mistakes. Why not? Why not learn well, from all the ways that I messed up? <laughs> you just leave it open for a second book. That's all you have to do is just this is yeah, a follow yeah. up, you know, because yeah, you have right. so much content and material there, you know, especially with the self-care, you know, that's just for everybody in the world. They need to self-care themselves. I'm sorry. We got all crazy jobs yeah. one way or another, sex or not. Yeah. It's still yeah. very important there. And also, um, how, how do you deal with spirituality? I mean, that that's something mm. 
I know that could be conflicting with some people in the sex working, you know, because if you're born and raised Catholic or, you know, Christian and that's all your faith, but you enjoy that money and you enjoy that sex, how do you find balance? I know that's, that's a tough, and I certainly saw plenty of that. I I wasn't raised with a, with a real religious, you know, like, like a, what's the word, um, organized, organized religion wasn't part of my upbringing at all. So I never really faced that, but, you know, I certainly saw plenty of people struggling with that. And and then there's also this, maybe you guys can talk to this a little bit, um, you know, since sex is so much what you, you study and, and focus on too, that somehow we have decided in this culture that if you make sex important, you somehow lose your godliness. You somehow lose <laughs> your humanity. You lose you lose a place at the table of, of of being a person of worth. You know, a person to be celebrated or to, or to be you know cared for or protected or defended. Um, you know, sex workers get it like very literally. Like there are laws against what you're doing. Like you, you know you know your you know your sexuality makes you a, you're a criminal. Um, and I don't have any real answer for that. I, I, I read at one point in the book, I'm like, listen, <laughs> there is no shame in being a sexual person. This is how we're made. So this is, this is fundamentally what it means to be a, an animal, to be a human being, to be alive. Um, and there's just simply no shame into tapping into that energy and, and to in some cases making a living off of it. Um, but that is very deep. That that shaming around sexuality is so powerful. Um, I think sex workers generally is a class, and again, I don't want to characterize the entire. I'm not talking about everybody, but I mean, I just I see, seems to be more often than not. I see sex workers as iconoclasts, who people who tend to think for themselves and who don't really fall into the, that trap very much. But it's definitely there. It's definitely just something to be contended with. And I'm sure in the you know if you're in the king community, if you make that your life, that that must be part of what you guys face as well. Oh, absolutely. So our time is up, but I definitely have one more question. Are you going to do a book tour with this? Because I I think Uh, this will be awesome book tour. (laughs) Well, I I, I can't commit to anything yet. You know, I, this is my very first book. I'm self-publishing. I am baby steps. I can't believe how much I've had to work to, to learn how to get to this point. So Writing the book was the easy part. If they told me how hard the back end was, oh, my God, I might never, never have done it. So I can't promise you anything right now, but if that does happen, if I come to Florida, I'll come find you. But, yeah, um, uh, the the I, – I, of course, I don't know what kind of – what can I say? I, I don't know how this book is going to be received, you know? I'll, I'll be honest. I, I think that a lot of the people who, who read my book are going to be closeted. I, I don't know if it's going to be – if I show up at a bookstore, I don't know how people are going to want to show up and see me. I don't know the answer. So I don't, I don't have a good answer for you. I'm sorry. but um, No, no. But just, exactly. I was just putting it out there in the universe. You never know. It's like, because like I said, from the beginning, I wasn't expecting it to be something that could go towards other people, not just sex workers, because I mm. was just fascinated and drooling, literally just reading your table of contents, I, you know, how much information and things you know have the conversations and make people feel confident about themselves and secure and not be ashamed and know that you're not alone here you know there are support groups here too for you doesn't matter where mm. what industry you're in there is a support group for everybody yeah yeah well for sure i mean i just i just i you know you you, you said earlier that you know um you were a little bit surprised that it might have more of a general appeal but i just have to say i think that that's in part because we're not really good as a culture taking care of ourselves sexually like self-care and sexuality i like how how huge a topic is that i mean it's enormous like we're we're, we're we focus a lot on getting people to want to have sex with us but then there's a lot of care to take you know taking care of ourselves on the back end too there's a lot there so it, it's definitely a conversation to be had Absolutely. So, Lola, so where can our listeners find you at? Yes, well, thank you. Yes. So, my brand new spanking new website, I just went up today, is loladavina.com, L O L A D A V I N A.com. I'm all over Twitter. If you look for Lola Davina on Twitter, I'm tweeting every day. Um, I'm over on Facebook, and I'm very friendly. So, if you want to friend me, please feel free. Go right ahead. Um, yeah, and the book. I do not have, again, this is just the perils of being the first time self, self-published. I am hoping to um, announce 
the, the availability of the ebook. Some, the, I'm hoping to announce it this week, and I'm hoping it will be available next week. That's my plan, but I don't, I don't have a date certain quite yet. I don't want to promise anything that I can't keep. So any second now, this book will be available. <laughs> Stay tuned. Sign up for my newsletter at my website if you want to know the exact day, and I will let you know. Fantastic. You can find me everywhere on social media, Miss um, Angelique Luna, and you can find us on our Facebook page, Living a Sex Positive Life. And you can also find me on Facebook or Twitter, where I tend to hang out. Uh, thank you very much for your time. This has been a very entertaining and inspiring uh, hour talking to you. Thank you very much, Lola. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you so very much for having me. Thank you. Have a good night, guys. Bye. Bye.